0: Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy. I invite you to join me as we explore what it looks like to choose joy in the messy middle while embracing the inspiration, intention, and action that you can take to find joy in your every day. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 292 here on Jumpstart Your Joy. This week on the show is a brand new conversation with Andrea Owen, and she's just written a book, Make Some Noise, and of course she's been on the show, this is her third time, and I always have such a good time talking to Andrea. It's a treat to have her back. I think you're really gonna love this episode because we're talking about how we can step into our greatness, especially as women, I think this is more important now than ever before. She talks about the history of how this book came out and came about. I think really stepping into those spaces, even though they're uncomfortable and might feel like they're out of, you know, what is a normal comfort zone for each of us is so important because that's where we really find our greatness and we step into those gifts that we came here to express and making some noise also means that we have to stand up against the things that don't work for us at all as women it's time to make noise because if we don't stand up for ourselves you know The patriarchy is not going to topple itself. (laughs) Before we get to the show, I want to give you all a very warm welcome and say thank you so much for tuning in this week. I love getting to do this show. And of course, Jumpstart Your Joy has completely changed my own life. And so it's a treat to get to keep doing this after what is now seven years This episode is part of my Summer Fun series, which I'm releasing just to put some lightheartedness and some new info out there into the world. And the last episode, 291, was a re-release of the conversation that I had with John McCune, who is of Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. He offered to let me run some brand new music that he is releasing. You can go back, listen to that, and catch some new music from him. And then coming up is season seven, and I will release what the theme is for that pretty soon. If you want to find out more about Jumpstart Your Joy or find the episode notes for this specific episode with Andrea Owen, you can go to the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash episode 292. And that's where you'll find some links back to the other two interviews that I've done with Andrea. All oh, so funny. I just love these conversations so much. And while you're there, you can also find a link to her book and her past books Her website, her podcast, (laughs) she's got a lot out there. So please check that out over at jumpstartyourjoy.com. And of course, while you're there, you can also check out my book. Yes, I wrote one and it came out in February of this year, Jumpstart Your Joy. Heart-Centered Ways to Find Joy in the Messy Middle, which is, of course, what we're all in this very moment in time and history. Also excited because I'm going to be talking about that, the content of that book, at She Podcasts Live, which is, of course, the podcasting conference, which will be held in October in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I'm really honored to be a speaker there for a second time. So that's all the info. I'm really excited to talk to Andrea here. I think one of the things that stands out to me about this is, one, She's really speaking into a lot of truths that we all need to grapple with right now because I know a lot of us feel like we have to play down our greatness or, as Andrea and I talk about, maybe we don't shine too bright because we don't want to do too much even in the industry that we're in. It feels uncomfortable, especially as women, to get noticed, get big. And so talking about that and why it's important that we try and put aside our discomfort, but I also really love near the end of the conversation, you'll hear a little bit about internalized misogyny, which is fascinating because I had a really uncomfortable experience with that while playing World of Warcraft this last year. So I can't wait for you to hear all of this. Welcome to the show, Andrea Owen.
1: I think it's your third time on the show. We should just co-host at this point. (laughs) You and I are so yes. good together. I love us.
0: <laughs> I love I love it. I love it. And your brand new book is M- Make Some Noise. And it is really ah so timely, so perfect, and such a treat to read. So thank you for coming back to talk about thank
1: it. you. My face already hurts from smiling. I'm so excited to talk to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so funny. There's a lot going on about people who are fed up and have become further fed up, probably with the limitations that they see in their lives, mm. especially women. And that became probably more painful during the pandemic for some yeah. of us. Can you tell, is that part of what started this book? Or does it have origins from further back than the end of 2019? It definitely
1: has origins even farther back from that. So my second book came out in 2018. And even before that, this book was was percolating. And it Really, it was w- when it kind of lit a fire was in 2017 when the Me Too movement happened. And I know that was interesting. I'm going to use the word interesting <laughs> for a lot of us. Going into 2018, the Kavanaugh hearing and everything that happened with that, and I just decided, well, I'm obsessed with the root of the problem. I want things to be efficient. Like, let's just get to the root of the problem so we can find a, a better solution, a faster solution. And what I recognized was that a lot of, if not all, of the challenges that women were coming to me with... Whether it was talking to them at speaking events or my clients or in groups, things like people pleasing perfectionism, you know, hiding out and isolating their negative self talk. If we look back, a lot of it was rooted in the culture that raised us and shaped us. So for instance, you know, what does it mean to be a good woman or a good mother? We should be selfless Mm -hmm. and quiet and polite and definitely accommodating. We need to make everyone else comfortable at the sake of our own values and needs and desires. And this bleeds into our appearance and our bodies and so many things. And I'm like, God, I, I can't, not talk about this like it's it's the proverbial elephant in the room, and I also right. wrote a poem. It was years ago called "My Resignation." It was a very impassioned poem, mm-hmm. basically about like I'm done <laughs> with with all of this. It was a bit a <laughs> bit of a midlife crisis I had writing this poem and just r- really done adhering to these rules, air quotes. And I got so much feedback from my podcast audience, saying yeah. things like, I had my partner listen to this poem because you articulated everything I've been angry at, and I didn't know how to say it. You know, I cried when I heard you read your poem on your podcast, etc. So I knew I was on to something, and that's how it started. I signed the book deal March 2020, so I started writing the book, which was kind of nice because I had something to do. I still had a job, which I'm incredibly yeah. grateful for. However, it was complicated with all the stress and anxiety. My mental health completely took a shit. Like <laughs> if I can be so blunt. My kids were home from school. Yeah, so it was it was quite a wild ride. Somehow I managed to put together eighty thousand words and they liked it and accepted the manuscript. And here we are. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, and it's it's so this season for me has been,
0: I mean, on the on the podcast, but probably in life as well, but it has been all about Life in the Messy Middle. And it's been so applicable for kind of this mess that we found ourselves in. And I feel like, as you said, your book is really getting to the root of it. And it's talking about when we shirk back from our greatness, and and we are not embracing all of our gifts, and when we're not speaking into, not to sound cheesy, but our truths and, and owning who we are fully, then we get into this place where we're not doing anybody any favors. And so do you want to explain a little bit what Make Some Noise is about?
1: Before I I talk about that, like this isn't a book of – it's by no means a feminist theory book. I'm not that smart. Like, And I don't mean to say that to be self-deprecating. It still is women's empowerment and self-help. I did not want this to be a book of complaining. Like I can't stand that. It's a book of like, hey, I'm pointing out all of this stuff and here are some solutions so we can do something different if you want to. And it's about – the first two chapters are around – taking up space and shining bright or shining too bright. Mm -hmm. You know, taking up space is a term that gets thrown around a lot. And so I'm like, what does that actually mean? Just in a nutshell, it is taking up space with your voice, talking about your opinions, asking for what you want, asking for the sale, Mm -hmm. asking for the raise, asking for what you want in bed, asking for, you know, if you have a partner, maybe more balance of chores around the house, et cetera. Taking up space with your body and shining bright is—I hate to say it—but just the cliche of putting yourself out there, and also the fear of outshining others, which a lot of people have, a lot of women have. Mm. We are taught that it's better just to kind of, you know, hang back a little bit, and, and definitely don't make others uncomfortable with your shininess. It's so interesting how villainized women tend to be in leadership positions that we see on TV and in movies. Like, I don't know what your role models looked like, but there were not a lot of role models that I had who were portrayed as kind and generous and and were also leaders and and embraced that leadership. So it's also about asking yeah. for everything you want, and it doesn't have to be opportunistic or aggressive behavior, you know, you can ask for what you want and be kind about it. I also talk about money in this book. Of course, I talk about mindset because I I can't not talk about mindset. Lots of different things are are what I define as making noise. Yeah. And
0: I really loved the part that you mentioned about how we often dim our own light in order not to like upstage Mm -hmm. someone else in our sphere of influence or, and I know that was a big thing even releasing this show Like seven years ago, was oh my gosh, nobody else in my coach training program was gonna have a podcast. Should I even do it or should I just keep blogging like everyone else? And thank goodness I released the podcast, I did the thing. But I think there is a lot of fear. And then, as things, um, when you really put your heart into stuff and you start to get bigger, I think that's even sometimes more scary. Like you keep plateauing at different levels, and people around you may not be at that same level, and that needs to be okay. Like, we're all going to have special gifts that make us stand out.
1: Exactly. And someone else is going to be great at something that you're not great about. And, and those types of things, like, we can say those to someone to kind of try to help them change their perspective. But for a lot of people, like, these are deep, many times, like, subconscious Fears that just evoke a feeling of terror in us. Gay Hendricks writes about this in The Big Leap and how it can be very common if you were a gifted child and Mm -hmm. you had siblings who were just average. (laughs) And it can create this family dynamic that makes you feel like you shouldn't be proud of your accomplishments and you should just kind of keep it quiet and stay as small as possible. And, you know, women, in my experience, are uncomfortable talking about our accomplishments and sort of quote-unquote bragging. And it's not seen as... A positive attribute to do those things, but what, what I would consider just celebrating your accomplishments—you know—the other person might see that as bragging. So it's all of these sort of ideas that we have adopted. That's what I'm wanting mm-hmm. the reader to unlearn. This isn't just about like learn these new tools. It's it's actually not additional tools in your toolbox. In some ways, it is, but it's actually unlearning all of these unconscious and sometimes conscious beliefs that we have about certain things, so that we can question them and learn new behaviors and thoughts.
0: Yes, and I love that each section has the unlearning yeah. because it gives you the context and the framework to think about, oh yeah, that's why I don't talk about money with other people, mm. or that's why I don't really celebrate my wins in a big way in front of other people. Those things all got very learned <laughs> when I was when I was a kid, and especially the money one, isn't that interesting? like oh no we don't talk about that but on the flip side of it had a mom that was really good with managing Mm -hmm. money and so it also taught me that like okay women and the mom in the house all that you can be the one that knows about the cash flow like you can do a good job managing it and be involved with it so I'm grateful for that piece one of the things I love that you talk about is intuition Mm -hmm. and so often as women, we are told to not really trust the intuition that we have or not talk about it or whatever it is. How do we get back in touch with it? Or maybe what does it feel like when we have an intuitive hit?
1: I think everyone can has a story about a time that they ignored their intuition and it fell apart. And <laughs> something fell apart. They ended up making <laughs> the wrong decision and they learned the lesson in retrospect. And, you know, I talk to people about that just... Because people feel it differently. Mostly what a consensus is around intuition is that when people get an intuitive hit or something like, you know, call it whatever you want to call it, it doesn't have a charge around it. Like it doesn't feel positive or negative. And if it does feel negative, that's usually fear. Intuition is typically quiet. And people a lot of times have a hard time explaining it. You know, they're like, I don't know how to explain it. I just knew or I just felt it or I just saw it. I do think that women have this magic maybe a little bit more than men. I don't know. I've never walked around as a man. But from what I, the stories that I've heard, women seem to be highly, highly intuitive. Yeah. I don't know if it's because we're the ones that that bear children. Who knows? But I, one of the things I want to mention, and I've talked about intuition, I think, in both of my previous books. And, and in this book, I talked about trauma and how trauma can play a part mm-hmm. for people who have a hard time listening to their intuition, especially people who have childhood trauma where they were repetitively told that their reality was incorrect or a family that just didn't talk about the problems. And so the child is like, wait a minute, I I feel like (laughs) things are not okay, but I'm being told that things are okay or no one's talking about it. So uh, many times people can grow up to not trust their intuition or not be able to hear it. So I just want to mention that because I think people can get frustrated hearing, just trust your gut. It's so easy, (laughs) you know?
0: Yeah. And so often, I don't know that this is a reality for me as a kid, but I definitely hear parents telling kids, oh, like, don't be sad. Like they, they challenge even the emotion of things. And then we are all learning. We're all becoming different people. So if you're doing that, no right. shame, but maybe think about it. But how we how we interact with children definitely sets what they can trust of knowing about for themselves, mm. and so I think that really that is really interesting. And I think my whole relationship with intuition changed drastically when I became a mother. Uh, early on, there were a couple of things where I'm like, "No, I just know." Like, I just know, and the answer is, "No, we're not doing yeah. that."
1: <laughs> I want to just say one quick thing because I love that you pointed that out about feelings. Yeah. And feelings. We do this to adults too. We do this to ourselves. You know, we make ourselves wrong for oh, having sure. certain feelings. I still catch myself doing it sometimes. One thing, you know, maybe this is for the parents out there to tell yourself. (laughs) One thing that I tell my children, I've told them since they were very little, and I did not grow up hearing this, this, is part of the reason that I make sure that I tell them, is I say, your feelings are never wrong. You are allowed to be mad at me. You are allowed to be afraid. Like there's nothing wrong with any of your feelings, but you are responsible for your behavior. So in other words, you can't be nasty to me. You can't be nasty to your brother or sister. And if you are, then you need to clean up that mess. I have talked to them extensively mm. about that. Like your feelings are yours. I also really hate that quote: "No one can make you feel bad without without your permission or something like that." Your consent. I hate that yeah. quote. It's like no, 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 no. You have clearly not talked to somebody who has complex <laughs> PTSD. <laughs> that's trauma. No, that's not true. Right. That's simplifying. There's just nuances to everything, and
0: yeah, isn't that interesting? Because there are people that are expert mm-hmm. gaslighters. And yeah, when you get into that extreme end of things, I think sometimes people can wield words in ways that really could, or maybe even intended to hurt. So I think being aware,
1: like, don't feel like it's always you. I wielded words where I intended to hurt someone, you know, like I was in a dysfunctional relationship. I've been in two of them. Yeah. So I know what it feels like to have someone do it to you and to do it back. And yeah, that's definitely not my favorite personal development quote.
0: No, no, I don't, I don't really like that one either. Hustle and heart will set you apart. I'm not a really big fan. The hustle part? Mm -mm. Heart, yes, but not the hustle. Hustle culture is very
1: 2014. Anyway. It's still out of style. (laughs) Yes, we're done with it.
0: Oh, goodness. I know one of the things that you talked about, and I would love to dive into this, is internalized misogyny. I would love to share a story, and we can either play with it or not. I just saw this in a very real way, and you'll have to forgive me for the nerd culture here but I played World of Warcraft for a while and played with a group of dudes, right? Including Mm. my husband and my son. Mm -hmm. We Maybe not my best move this last summer. And one of the things I saw was some of the Mm -hmm. guys were not nice to me. They knew we were speaking. They could hear my voice. They knew I was the mother. They knew I was a woman. And when I started asking another group of women about the situation, I mean, it was just really rude behavior. (laughs) And I asked another group of women about it. And they're like, some of them were Mm -hmm. like, well, that's just how it is. It was very misogynistic. Some of them were like, Well, that's just how all the guys are that I play with. What were you expecting? Others were sympathetic, and others were like, Yeah, you should leave the group. And so there was this very interesting splice of women. And what I realized were there were some people especially the ones that said you knew what you'd signed up for and you know, that's just how it is, and you should almost like get in line with it and play the game with them that way. I was like, no, and I, I think, I think that's internalized 100%. misogyny. Is mm-hmm. that, is that your kind of understanding? That's
1: part yeah. of it. Would you tell us more about it and how do we break free? <gasps> I, I've yeah. also heard that misogyny is <laughs> rampant in the gaming world and like abusive at yes. times. And I've seen videos on mm-hmm. it and I've seen women pushing back on it and talking about it and and I've seen also guys talking about it and getting abused by other guys for talking about it. It's very interesting dynamic. It is. And again, like this internalized misogyny is something that is a newish topic for me. And so I only wrote about it a little bit in the book. And basically, it's women, you know, like you and I who identify as women who have our own ways of being misogynistic and sexist and basically falling in line with the system of patriarchy that keeps us down. And it's things like slut shaming is a big Mm -hmm. one. That's an easy example of internalized misogyny. It's also, if you are someone who says like, I don't like being friends with women because they're catty and there's so much drama, that's internalized misogyny. Chronic dieting is another way. Mm -hmm. So it manifests in in all these different ways. And it's also one of those topics Mm -hmm. where once you see it, You might have that like sinking feeling of like, oh my God, this is like my identity. And I want to tell people like, yeah, welcome. I think it's the vast majority of us, even people who identify as feminists. It's the Kool-Aid that we all drank because there were no other beverages offered. It was the only one, unless you grew up in a family who was extremely progressive and had therapists who were parents, then you probably have it too. That's just the way things are. We can unpack it and unlearn it. Your story reminds me of mm-hmm. when Pamela Anderson was quoted when everything came out with Harvey Weinstein, and she said, well, what were those women expecting going over to his yeah. house? And I was just like, oh, my God. And I, I see where she's coming from. Do you know what I mean? It's like yes, that's some that kind of attitude says – this is just how it is. You know, this is what you get when you're a woman. It's sort of like the trope of if you can't beat them, join them, in a lot of ways. And- it's also a way for women to get closer to power. It's like that mm. proximity Bingo. to yeah. power where, you know, if we shame other women – for being bossy or being um, in leadership positions or for gaming we join the ranks if you will of the most powerful Mm -hmm. and it feels like shit like once you realize (laughs) what you're doing it feels really bad it does
0: and it was really disheartening to see that i was trying to stand up for myself and so i left the game when things got like just hung up on them and said i'm leaving thank you very much And then a bunch of people were saying, well, you can't handle it. You know, like there was all this (laughs) shaming going on. And I was like, what is this? But it was super interesting to see a few of the women aligning themselves with the same kind of language. And I know they were at least presenting as men and women in their voices. Uh But they were aligning with exactly what the dudes were saying. Right. And And I think that just what you said was what I observed was they were aligning themselves with the power and the leadership that is and that's kind of generalized and accepted in that world because it was serving them in a way. Like they were still seen as on the inside because they were agreeing with whatever the group in power was, I guess. Uh It was just it was such a fascinating and I haven't been back. I left. I did not rage quit, but I... I'm sorry that
1: happened to you. No. Oh, thank you. Well, it's not fair. Like, you wanted to play the game, and you have every right to go in there and to be treated okay. Thank you. Yes. And every woman
0: who plays does. And and so I don't know what the answer is. I feel like that as an industry is a really interesting study in it but it's also a really hard place because i feel like everyone needs to be able to have their own kind of fun and enjoyment and so i can i could also sympathize on mm-hmm. one side where like like i get it that wasn't their gameplay they didn't want to play that way but i don't want to play
1: their way so i don't know where the middle ground is i don't know if that opens up anything around make some noise for you but okay i feel like you would have been treated differently had you been a boy or a man mm-hmm. and wanted to and did exactly what you did showing up as yourself and said exactly what you said, you would have been treated differently. I think that the the pushback was simply because you're a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so too. And that's what's crappy. Yeah. That whole dynamic is interesting too because that story made me think of how boys and young men and men are and how they tend to tease each other. I mean, I've had this conversation with my husband, just like the kind of the shit shoveling that they do back and forth and like the razzing that seems to be constant. And I'm like, God, did you guys ever let up? And he's okay with it. Cause like and sometimes I'm like, that would have hurt my feelings. And he's like, no, it's just, it's just how we are with each other. It's it's a dynamic of male friendships. And I was reading about I don't remember what the exact topic was, but the researcher was talking about how different boys and girls play and that b- because of gender roles and boys are encouraged to roughhouse and tease each other yeah. like they do when they're grownups. And that teaches them resilience as well as entitlement, which is another <laughs> conversation for another yes. time. But that teaches them resilience so that they grow up to negotiate a pay raise so that they grow up to ask for more money in their very first job and things like that. So they were linking it all the way back to that, which is so fascinating how different we treat children because of their gender. That is interesting.
0: There's a, there's a mm-hmm. lot to unpack there because I know in your book you also I talk <laughs> about resilience and how women are resilient and how we learn resiliency. And I feel like it it ties in because if we're not, I mean, maybe some of that razzing is not helpful at some level for us because I, I sure. it's interesting. I've had the mm-hmm. same conversation about my husband and our son. And it's like, oh, no, I don't want you guys to treat me that way. So now they know like we don't play that way with mom, which is Good, <laughs> thank mm-hmm. you for thank you for listening. Um, but I think it is kind of interesting because my level of being all right with it is different, and maybe I mm-hmm. I don't know should I be more
1: resilient? Should I just know? I I don't know. Like it's kind of a great question. I don't know. It is, and I and I would love to dig into the research more. But my guess yeah. is that it perhaps has to do with how we were raised and. Mm-hmm. That boys, you know, that even, you know, teachers are okay with it around boys, but it might not be as okay with girls. And we're just not taught to do that. It was just not modeled for us.
0: Right. And
1: I think that makes it hard
0: to build resilience because then we don't always have a good model for it. How do we start to build resilience if that's something that we're coming up against and the things in general in the rest of our lives? Maybe we don't go ask for the raise or... Or somebody says something unfriendly at work. Like, how do we do that?
1: Some of it is emotional intelligence. I mean, we could have a whole Ooh, a whole hour-long yeah. conversation about resilience. And, and some of it's emotional intelligence. Things like, you know, I love Brene Brown's research around the brain science that says that human brains love stories. And they also love the ending to the story. Mm-hmm. And what ends up happening is that something happens in our life. And, you know, maybe your husband comes home and, and you say hi and, and he just kind of grunts. And this is the term jumping to conclusions. Yeah. Like we make up a story that he's mad at us. Like I will go down the path of like, oh my God, he's going to divorce me. Like he has divorce papers in his car and he's going to bring them That's the path I go down. So what happens is our, our brains love to come to conclusions, to stories. And the reward center goes off and lights up in our brain when we make up a story. And the brain does not care if that story is right or wrong. Yeah. doesn't care if it's true or false. It just has an ending, and that's where we get in trouble, quote unquote, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where we make up stories that probably aren't true, conspiracies and confabulations, and it can be a complete mess. So it's that awareness, and you probably won't ever stop doing it. It's just that awareness that you're doing it so that you can question the truth conclusion that you came to, etc. Mm-hmm. I also love Carol Dweck's work around fixed versus growth mindset and to bottom line that it's just, you know, knowing that you can bounce back, knowing that you will end up with more confidence once you get through this failure and it is very much behind you. Like it's mindset like that that can help you gain more resilience instead of just thinking like you're doomed to fail and everything sucks. Yeah. Well, and I don't even
0: know where I've read this, but that kind of the human brain is often wired to look for the negative ending and know mm-hmm. the negativity bias of it. And so knowing that, I, I'm sure this fits into joy in some delightful way, but how can we make room for a positive ending? And if we know that we're just, we're just trying to resolve to an ending because that's what our brain wants to do, how can we decide there could be a positive outcome instead of, oh, he's got divorce papers in his car?
1: Right. <laughs> yeah it's so interesting like there's a book called the how of happiness and i cannot mm. remember the author's name and it, they did research about people's happiness set point and they did find that some people just naturally are more positive than others i'm sure you've met people who tend to be negative nellies you know they're pessimists yeah. and we can train ourselves i mean it's i geek out on brain science like i love it just the neural pathways that are created like are you kidding me? Like, do you know that every neuron in your brain can connect with up to 10,000 other neurons? Wow. It blows my mind. So, all that to say, when we learn a new task, whether it is tying our shoes or playing World of Warcraft or learning how to think more positively, when we first do it, it's temporary. These new neural pathways that are created are temporary. Mm-hmm. just like learning a new language. But the more that we do them, the repetitiveness of it makes them more permanent. Yeah. This, it's neuroplasticity is what it mm-hmm. is. And it is incredible. And it's so exciting because it's proof that you can not only change your life, but more specifically, you can build resilience. You can start to think more positively. you, you And even if you're not immediately thinking more positively, you are questioning your negative thoughts and kind of taking the long way to more positivity.
0: Yes, and I think that's why I... I personally love the cornerstone quote for this show, which is joy is a choice and we have to keep choosing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really, it has to do with that neuroplasticity because we could be wired to look for the negative bias or we could be yeah. wired in any situation to be like, I actually see three outcomes that could be really awesome for this thing, mm-hmm. which probably does play into the the making of noise in your book too, is like when we can see the positive possibilities are probably more likely to go for the bigger play in our lives.
1: I want to say this, too, to jump back a little bit to your question around, like, what is what does it mean to make noise is. I think that all women's empowerment is an act of rebellion. Like, you know, men's empowerment really isn't a thing. I mean, I guess it kind of is, but like they're, already, yeah. they're mostly empowered already. <laughs> but um, no, there's still, there's so much still personal development work for, for people who identify as men to do. But I do think that a lot of it is pushing back on the culture. And that's another reason that, that I, we titled it this.
0: Yeah, I love that. Very much, because I I feel like there's a whole other discussion we could have about, you know, it was not, I mean, it was difficult when women gained the right to vote and when we've entered the workforce. And I see the discrepancy being that like, yeah, we fought for all of that as a gender, I guess. But we never really then gave up all the other stuff that we do. Right. So so much falls to all of us. And I, I think that this that your book is part of that next wave of things that Now we really have to fight for the parts where things become equal in a different way. But it interestingly is the inside out work of recognizing these things that you've brought up. So I'm I'm delighted by your book.
1: Oh, thank you. (laughs) Me too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, throughout this season, I've been asking people about how they've found joy in the messy middle. And I feel like it's probably very applicable to your book.
1: I think that as we were all forced to stay home, I really thought about how much I love our home. And it's one of those things that's so small. And I know that people are probably, you know, maybe in temporary housing or and I have been in a place where we lived with my parents in the basement when my kids were really little. and we had just moved out of out of state. and And I've been in those places where where it doesn't quite feel like home yet. but I, I think I'm finally at a place in my life where, this feels like home. We are making it the home that we want. And I just walk around this house, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to work from home, where I'm like, I yeah. really like it here. And I really <laughs> like my husband. And I really like my kids. Because, you know, I've been in a marriage where I loved my ex-husband but I didn't like him very much and that sucks that really sucks I know what that's like and to kind of not know what to do like should I stay because we have so much history and I'm 31 and I want to have kids or should I go because my intuition is telling me that this sucks like I've been in that place and, and it just didn't feel like home but it was home um I, I think, you know, I'm 46 years old, this feels like home. And I not only love the people that I get to spend my time at home with, but I like them a lot. And that brings me a tremendous amount of joy. That's beautiful.
0: Well, and I know on your Instagram account, you've shared a lot about your office. And it's clear you've made it a place of joy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even if we are just talking about the Golden
1: Girls. Uh, <laughs> candle. Oh. Did I tell you I have Golden Girls tarot cards? <laughs> no they made them behind me my best friend bought them for me for my birthday yes they're hilarious even stan makes an appearance i now need that deck yes so
0: i mean i love that you've taken the the intentions of making it a place that you love i think it shines through i guess is is what i was what shows on your instagram account yeah it's beautiful and vibrant and it's it's a a lovely place to be yeah yeah and i think it's interesting because i've found myself I feel like previously I wondered, when am I going to feel like an adult? Mm-hmm. Oh, hi, pandemic Thanks. <laughs> right. You know, I finally feel like, oh, I'm an adult. Yeah. Like
1: I did things. Like I've made things happen. So I felt like an yeah, adult husband. when we when we signed up for life insurance. I felt like, oh, yeah, this is like responsible adult stuff. Yeah. Even though yeah, I'm, I, I'm I, worth I, more dead than alive now. But I'm like, I guess that's <laughs> like, that's why you do it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my goodness!
0: I, I mean, fine, that. like that's monetarily.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> Not really, no. but monetarily. Right. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, Andrea, that's hilarious. Um, well, if somebody wants to find your book or they would like to work with you, how can how can they go about doing that?
1: So. I, okay, I want to say too. I ask over two hundred and fifty questions in this book, so I'm like, that's a, I, I went through and counted. Yeah, it's like, a lot. So we made a workbook for people that's free, because I don't want awesome. people to just and and listen. If you want to just listen to it while you're working out, then or go at the grocery store, by all means, do that. But I like people to have the option to really change their life, to really dig in. So andreaowen.com slash noise and if they buy any copy of the book audio hardback ebook whatever they can that and we have like these really cool book plates where i can sign personalize it to them and snail mail it to you there's all kinds of free bonuses on that page so go check it out oh i'm at hey andrea owen too on instagram and i'm on tiktok which is super fun oh my goodness well
0: is there anything else you'd like to i
1: don't know bring up about the book or uh or I don't know anything else before we I just always think too that people if people are listening to this and you've had that like little whisper of intuition saying that you want to write a book I just want to say that publishing is so different now than it used to be and self-publishing has come so far than it has in you know even even five ten years ago and I wrote a little note to those people in the acknowledgments of my book. <laughs> people yeah. who keep saying, I want I want to write a book or I would love to write a book. I Please, 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 this is your sign to do it.
0: Yeah. Well, because you'll keep waiting and you'll just keep holding on to that idea. And now is the yeah. time. What's holding exactly. back? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining thanks, me, thanks. Andrea. It's always such a delight to have you on the Likewise. show.
1: Likewise. I always look forward to conversations with you. And thanks, everybody, for listening.
0: <laughs> yes. Yay. Yay. Andrea, thank you so much for coming back and for wanting to come back and for having another conversation with me. It is always such a treat to have you on the show, and I really loved your book, Make Some Noise. If you want to find out more about Andrea and links to our past conversations, to her books, to her podcast, to her website, to her coaching, you can find them all at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash episode 292. While you're on the website, you can also sign up to receive my weekly newsletter, where I send out five things that I've kind of curated from around the web. Some of them are these episodes, so you'll get a little nudge to come back and listen. But there's also some really fun stuff like, you know, joyful stories that are going on in the world, which I think we need so much of right now. You can find the sign up for my newsletter on the website, jumpstartyourjoy.com. It's right there on the homepage, along with and right next to that link to purchase my book. If you're wanting to find more ways to find joy in the messy middle also this is super fun one last thing to mention if you are local to the San Francisco Bay area and you want to join me for a labyrinth walk I'm going to be leading one at San Damiano which is a retreat center in Danville California and you can join me it will be in the morning of September 11th it'll be live I will be there I'm gonna lead you in a labyrinth walk which is so fun and it's one of my favorite things so I hope you'll come on out And then next week on the show, we're going back into the summer fun series and it's kind of a mystery. I hope you'll come on back to see who we're playing with next. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.